and really the technology around these implementations has come a long way. You know, gone are the days when we would focus on file-based integrations, like APIs are the way to go now. I'm Adam Bolka, and this is The Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'll be talking to supply chain experts from around the world, experts who are tackling challenges in their corner of the industry. People are change makers that drive innovation. That's why this supply chain podcast is about learning from those who lead by example. I hope that the conversations you hear will inspire you to drive change within your organization. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka. For this episode, we'll be jumping into a retail-focused conversation with our very own David Mashido from our product marketing team. A little later, we're going to be joined by Nita Garg, whose focus is all around implementing order management systems for retail customers around the world. So before we do that, let's say hi to David. Welcome to the Great Supply Chain Podcast, David. Thank you, Adam. And I just want to thank everyone uh, listening for joining us for this latest installment of the podcast, uh, where we will be covering implementations for our order management system. So David, tell me a little bit about you and your role. I'm the product marketing manager for the retail vertical at Texas. I work closely with our digital teams, our implementation team, and our product team to essentially grow our retail footprint in North America, uh, Europe, and Australia. All right, great. So so let's get into that around the retail industry. Um, it seems like the retail industry is always in this state of revolution or renaissance or you know whatever the moniker is of the day. Uh, tell me, this go-round, why is order management software playing such a key role? So... What happened as a result of the pandemic is you saw brick-and-mortar stores shutting down, uh, but demand for the goods in those stores didn't stop, uh, and consumers were basically uh, driven to order online. So what happened is uh, where you would have maybe a 10% penetration of e-commerce historically, you know, that was growing 15, 20, 25%. Uh, so the number of orders uh, and, the, and the number of purchases that were being uh, done online actually increased. What happens when you increase your online orders, uh, you want to have your products available to your customers. You want them to be able to be shipped in a, you know, as, as quickly as possible, and you want to be shipped as cheaply as possible. So what order management does is it enables a consumer to see if a product is in stock, uh, and it enables a retailer to ship it from the most uh, efficient, optimized location where that inventory might be sitting. So it's interesting. I don't mean to lead the witness here, uh, but I'm, I'm going to a little bit. I'm curious. You mentioned the catalyst was uh, the pandemic. As stores reopen, as sort of retail um, has a bit of a recoil from uh, from what was happening with all of the shutdowns. Uh, are are we to expect that uh, e-commerce and sort of that digital piece is going to slow down? Um, is it going to coexist? W- what does that look like? So it definitely accelerated. Um, now the question is, has it reached a plateau? And is it going to stay at that level? 
or is it going to go back down to pre-pandemic levels or somewhere in the middle? No one has that answer. Uh, some of the best consultants and consulting companies in the world have gotten it wrong. So I'm not going to attempt to you know make that prediction. What I will say is uh, it will probably it's plateau and likely decrease, but not to pre-pandemic levels. Just for uh, the fact that what the pandemic did was actually open up e-commerce to people who might not have done it before and uh, got a taste for it and now are ready to continue doing that. So it, it kind of uh, created more adoption of e-commerce where there wasn't before. And those adopters, it might not be going uh, anywhere. So, you know, and your original adopters will probably, uh, you know, maybe reduce that channel and go back to the stores. The pandemic essentially made the pie of e-commerce shoppers bigger. Uh, and that's why I don't think it'll go, you know, back to pre-pandemic levels. Right, right. And so and so now you've got retailers who are uh, clamoring for um, better uh, mechanics around order management. And so you've got this sort of this thrust of a desire for OMS uh, and a bottleneck around implementation. So we're, we're about to throw to your conversation with Nita, uh, where you're going to talk about the dynamics around implementation and some of the challenges to be aware of, you know, what pitfalls you can avoid. Uh, it seems to be all in the name of shortening that implementation cycle and speeding up the time to value. And I think I think pretty much anyone ever involved in enterprise software implementations can point to why that's a good thing. Uh, but I'd like you to comment on why retailers are particularly sensitive to timeline and time to value. Yeah, so... You know, what I would say first, uh, before I answer that question, I'd say I think the time, this is the time to, to do these types of implementations. Uh, you saw probably an acceleration during the pandemic to get uh, order management up and running just so that you can access your store inventories and, and uh, do all the great things that order management can do uh, during the pandemic. But then you had some retailers that basically, you know, put the brakes on everything. Then you had this massive influx of demand. Uh, now you have, you know, uh, a contraction in customer spending. Uh, some people are saying uh, potentially a, a recession. But the thing is, there's never the right time, you know, to do anything. Um, so what you need to do is, you know, choose your time and do it wisely and do it as uh, efficiently uh, and effectively as possible. So uh, what, we, what I'm talking about with, with uh, Nita is you know how you can make your implementations go more smoothly, go more quickly, so you can get up and running more quickly. Because the faster you can get an order management system up and running, uh, is the faster you can uh, get uh, better SLAs to your customers, two-hour pickups, for example, or two-day shipping, or whatever that might be. Uh, it gives them a better customer experience. So what I would say is, uh, while there's never the right time to do it, uh, when you do do it, you want to do it as quickly and efficiently uh, and effectively, like I said, as possible. And being prepared for the implementation, knowing what you need to do, uh, is is a big part of that. So what I talk about with Nita is, you know, how can we, how we, how can we get that time to value uh, a lot quicker and uh, make sure that there is value at the end of that implementation. Right to really understand your resources, align on resources, and make sure everyone's sort of rowing in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well said. So listen, with with that, um, 
let me uh, let me pass it over to you and Nita for uh, for your conversation. Thanks, Adam, and welcome Nita Garg, who is Texas Delivery Director for Omni Order Management System. Hi, Nita. Thank you for joining us. Hey, David. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me over. So, Nita, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so, I have over 20 years of experience in the software development industry and have been providing OMS solutions for over 12 years and leading the Omni OMS solutions delivery at Texas. This podcast is something I'm really excited about and can't wait to talk more about it. So, Nita, with your extensive experience in the order management space, can you tell us a little bit how retail has shifted versus today when we compare it to, let's say, five or ten years ago? The supply chain processes have experienced rapid changes in the last few years, and this has led to a paradigm shift in the way businesses are carried out, which emphasized the need for OMS providers to innovate, right? So with the changes in these supply chain processes, OMS systems have undergone significant changes. The digital and physical lines have been blurred, for example, with curbside pickup, click and collect. OMS today, they provide a seamless experience with easy to set up order routing rules, inventory virtualization rules and other configurations. And orders from multiple client sales channels, they flow into OMS, which provide a consolidated dashboard for our clients and their customer service. So OMS today, they support complex order fulfillment with last mile delivery integrations, effective returns, and payment process. So in summary, current OMS landscape, they interact with all client systems and provide clear visibility to upstream systems, real-time tracking, and status update. Uh, OMS today has enhanced technologically to a great extent. It's built to scale for peak demand, We provide automation, processes with minimum manual intervention, and providing convenience to the customers to receive their goods at their doorstep. So, you know, the modern OMS essentially unifies all systems and serves as a single source of truth for all orders. That's interesting you said that about, uh, you know, scaling. I'm sure, you know, the Black Friday, Cyber Mondays, uh, were nothing near they were 10 years ago. Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> when OMS came out. So, yeah, yeah that, that, that's an interesting yeah. point. Exactly, yeah. So, from an integrate, so you talked about uh, the feature or the feature functionality and kind of the, the, the infrastructure uh, of, of order management systems and how they've evolved. So, let's, uh, you know, change gears a little bit and let's talk about more your world, which is implementation. So, from an integration perspective, how have the OMS implementations evolved? Yeah. So OMS, in my opinion, is the heart of a retailer's ecosystem. And OMS implementations, they play a major role in keeping this heart beating. Okay. OMS implementations have evolved to a great extent with seamless integrations with all client systems and their partners. So modern OMS, they provide standard out-of-box APIs with greater performance, automation, real-time event notification, you know, the pub-sub model, ease of implementation, and extensibility. And these integrations also support various fulfillment workflows, return workflows, to provide the best experience for the end customers. OMS integrates with client sales channels, for example, to receive orders from all their 
uh, websites or marketplaces or their stores, you know, and then OMS automation processes run or the routing rules run to find the best location to fulfill the order. And there's real time interaction with client fulfillment systems to get the fulfillment status updates tracking. And then there's also integrations with shipping providers or last mile delivery providers to bring shipping labels, manifest or just ship from store to home, you know, to, by using that technology. And then there's also integrations with various payment gateways, uh, tax services, uh, you know, Avalara, Vertex, Sovos, there's various third-party tax services, a client may need integrations with fraud services, email providers, SMS providers, ERP systems. So all in all, all systems need to interact with and, and need to be connected with these integrations so that the end customer can track their order progress. And, and really the technology around these implementations has come a long way. You know, gone are the days when we would focus on file-based integrations like APIs are the way to go now. So essentially uh, what's happened is I, like the number of integrations has exploded because uh, like like five, ten years ago, there wasn't that many marketplaces, for example, yep. or different, let's say, uh, multiple brands running on, on, on an instance or anything like that. But even though there's more integrations, the integrations have become easier to do. They've become easier to do because we try to keep them as out of box with best, best practices in mind. Yeah. Perfect. You know, as you work with retailers regularly to implement and integrate these systems, uh, you know, what are the, some of the challenges they face when implementing uh, an OMS? So the biggest challenge that retailers face when implementing an OMS is lack of defined scope and requirements. Okay. They do not have subject matter experts with knowledge of workflows and business use cases. Or sometimes it may be just the opposite, right? They know what they want, but they don't know where to start and which workflows and business requirements they want to fulfill, right? And, and for that, they need to find the right OMS partner to achieve the requirements or help them figure out or finalize their requirements within their plan timelines. So with Texas OMS, we advise our clients to launch with the out-of-box integrations, which deliver the MVP, the minimum viable product. And the benefit is that the client can be in production as quickly as six weeks, uh, which is both cost and time effective. And there is potential to explore further OMS features and integration capabilities and expand further by planning a roadmap for the client. So, yeah. <laughs> So it, it, basically what's what's happening is that, like, you know, the order management, even though it's, you know, I've been doing, you've been doing it for 12 years, it's been around for maybe a little bit longer than that. But mm-hmm. I find it's still uh, not a, you know, well-known, understood software uh, compared to, say, for example, a warehouse management system mm-hmm. where you have those, those subject matter experts exist, uh, you know, right. in, in the, in the company. So. Uh, you know, I, I think it's for retailers, it's about kind of also doing some prep work and learning what does this do uh, and what do I need to do to prepare, you know, before I even start talking to, for example. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, uh, and that leads me to my next question. Uh, what is it that they can do to better prepare for these OMS implementations? <laughs> Absolutely. So there are a couple of things that retailers can do to better prepare for OMS implementation. I would say it starts with a strong leadership and clearly define business goals and partners. 
and then internal resources with the right expertise and experience. The retailer should decide the workflows they want to implement, right? Like, do they want to ship to home from store, ship to home from warehouse, buy online pickup in store, BOPIS, or we also call it click and collect or curbside pickup, right? It's also important for retailer to think about the business rules around order routing and inventory virtualization. You know, OMS offers this out, out of box, but the actual rules need the business use cases to be defined, right? Uh, I'll give you some examples. Like, do you prefer to ship from warehouse first or ship from the store closest to the customer shipping address? Or do you prefer to split, split your order into multiple shipments and fulfill from different locations? Or do you want to consolidate and ship from one location to the customer address, right? And then there's around inventory. Do you want to expose all your warehouse and store inventory for online channels? Or do you want to reserve 50% of store inventory for in-store stock and only make 50% of it available for the online channels, right? So, uh, which is the available to sell. So our order routing and inventory virtualization rules help the retailer to keep their business requirements in mind and set these configurations accordingly, you know? So our OMS team can help the retailer in deciding which implementations they need for MVP, and we can guide them on future enhancement opportunities to keep their continuous growth in mind. One more thing, retailers need to plan for the right middleware and the right implementation team on their end. Stick to the scope, stick to the timeline, and have their post-go-live support team structure in place. That's very important. So it's essentially, you know, um, you should know what the OMS can do. A lot of it has to work around or has to, has to do with the uh, how you manage inventory and mm -hmm. how you manage uh, fulfillment, where you want it, where you want it to be done. Yeah. So know what it does and then have an idea of how you want to do it. How you uh, want to do it. Yeah. Exactly. And then talk to your partner if you're not sure how to proceed about it. Yeah. Perfect. So, so you, you mentioned, uh, sticking to the scope and sticking to the timeline, which, you know, as a, a professional implementation, uh, is something that uh, maybe, I don't know if it rarely ever happens, but, um, you know, we've seen, um, implementations take can go, can be as, as little as six weeks. Um, uh, you know, we're looking at, uh, sometimes 90 days. Uh, the mm -hmm. average could be maybe four, 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 uh, four months, six months. What really dictates the length of the implementation? So the length of an implementation depends on factors like clarity of requirements, clear scope of configuration workflows, integration requirements, the right implementation team on both sides with skills and overall governance of the project, right? So it also depends on the complexity of workflows, right? And the number of integrations. So we have seen clients with complex business use cases, they could have six to nine months of project. And other clients who are willing to go with out of box, basic, uh, basic does not mean they're lacking something, you know, uh, but best practice industry out of box workflows, we have seen them launch in 90 days or less, 
So it, it really depends on what the client wants and the business goals also dictate the timeline, right? For example, you know, if you are looking for a new OMS because your current OMS is being sunset and you need to have an OMS in three months, then that becomes a factor as well, right? Or if you're going to a new ECP and you have a timeline and you would want to launch both ECP and OMS together, that becomes a factor, right? So there's multiple things that play a role. Interesting. So, uh, you know, if you don't want to, so yeah, so there's, you know, uh, if there is a deadline, there's a deadline, so it has to get done. But when there isn't a deadline, um, you know, just basically sticking to the scope and knowing, basically not having any unknowns, I think is, is important. Try to not having any unknowns. We understand no one is perfect and that's why we are there to guide our partner in, in the best possible way. But yeah, that's the recommendation. Try to finalize the scope at the beginning and try to stick to it. So, so you talked a little bit before about, uh, the MVP, uh, you know, and, and we just talked about, uh, timelines. So, uh, say I, I, you know, the, the world of retail moves quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and and we and you know, uh, um, retailers need to be up and running uh, to get their omni-channel going relatively quickly. And we, we actually saw that uh, two years ago, right during the the pandemic, when there were retailers that maybe had an OMS and didn't actually turn on, for example, click and collect or right. turn on uh, ship from store uh, yeah. or store fulfillment. So. If a retailer really wants to get up and running, but doesn't want to go to that uh, six to nine months um, uh, timeline, even if they have complexity, can they start small and then add later? Absolutely. A retailer can implement an OMS in as low as six weeks and add additional functionality later. So Texas OMS provides out-of-box APIs with real-time notifications, pub-sub model, which offer retailers the connectivity with their overall ecosystem, their ECP, their stores, WMS, ERP, third-party email systems, everything. So retailers can start with some workflows and add more later. So we saw some clients launch with buy online pickups in store or curbside pickup actually became really popular during pandemic, uh, you know. So some clients, they want to start with shipping to customer home from warehouse and then they add on shipping from store to home later, you know, and then they add click and collect or BOPIS. So really, um, there is a lot of potential to start with the basics, the basic business goal and add more later. Um, even in terms of integrations, you know, some clients, they start with out-of-box integrations, uh, standard payment gateways, and later they expand to further extensions to that. And the architectural design that we offer to a client as out-of-box gives them everything they need to get up and running and the potential to grow according to their needs and roadmap. Yeah, so, so basically, uh, because of these uh, APIs, uh, they can basically scale their business to where they want it to go exactly quite yeah. easily. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of extensibility and configuration capability. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, just to wrap up, uh, you know, you've been doing this for for a while. You've seen a lot of retailers. Uh, you know the OMS inside out. Uh, what would you say uh, to any any retailer today who maybe? doesn't have an OMS yet or is running a legacy system or using an ERP, what would you say to them uh, today if they're looking to implement a new order management system? So here is what I would like to say. Start with defining your business objective, 
try to have a clarity of scope, timeline and resources. What is the minimum viable product you need right now? And what is your growth target and roadmap for the next five years? Once you have defined these, look for an OMS partner which provides inventory visibility across all fulfillment locations, advanced order routing rules, has a store fulfillment module, provides return management and customer management functionality, appeasements, order and customer history visibility, and end-to-end -end workflows. And you should ensure that the OMS partner follows the latest in technology and best practices, provides you state-of-art architecture with out-of-box APIs, and a solution that is seamless, automated, easy to onboard for your team, extensible and sustainable. And at last but not the least, it needs to be constantly evolving and launching new features and so that you as a retailer have a potential to expand. Nina, that was great. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your insights and experience on implementation of order management systems. Uh, back to you, Adam. Thanks, David, and and thank you, Nita, as well. Um, it's been a great conversation, very insightful. Uh, I, I appreciate both of your time. Uh, with that, this has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. I hope our guests sparked some new ideas and inspired you to push the boundaries of supply chain. New podcasts will be published on the first of every month. In the meantime, please reach out with your thoughts or questions or even an idea for a future episode. You can email us at texaspodcast at texas.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as a new episode goes live. And please share it with a colleague and leave a review. Until then, this has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka, and thank you for tuning in.